Okay, well, so today is Mother's Day, and I want today for moms and women today to be praised, encouraged, and challenged. Okay, that's my goal, is that all the moms and the women will be praised, encouraged, and challenged. I want you to be able to say also that my wife, my mom, or my female friend is worth praising. Okay, we're trying to cover everybody. Um, I want you to leave today with the goal of giving specific praise to these women in your life. Okay, that's where we're going. Now, I also want to challenge you to grow in one area of your life. Okay, you're going to get to pick that. Um, And the reason I'm saying just one is because I got to tell you, the passage we're going to read today is actually the worst part of the Bible for some people. Okay, Proverbs 31. It's not Psalm 31. That's what it says in the, in the, in the we, we hid that. We hid it from you so you wouldn't know where it was from. No, no, no. Proverbs 31, it was a typo um, in the bulletin, is for some people the Bible's Pinterest board. Okay? Proverbs 31, for some people, is the social media feed of that person that makes you feel like you are nothing as a person. Right? who has everything together, whose life is perfect, who has everything covered in their life. Um, so many, so many women read this passage and they, they struggle with it. They feel condemned by it. And it's worse than Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest because this is inspired by God, right? God inspired this. And so you have to be doing every single thing in this all the time or God doesn't like you. That's how a lot of people feel. And so, so to combat that, I'm just saying that just pick one area today that we're going to cover for you to focus on trying to grow, okay? Just one area. And before I read the passage today, uh, I want to just say this. This is poetry, okay? This passage is a poetic passage. I'll talk about why in a little bit, but often poetry describes things in their ideal form, right? If you want to exalt someone in poetry, you're going to make them out to be perfect and glorious. All right, that's what this passage is. The passage is 22 verses long. There's a reason why it's 22 verses. I'll tell you that in a minute. But I've selected 16 of those verses to put in the, just to focus on today because we just can't look at all the details. Um, And so the verses are in your bulletin. They'll also be up on the screens. Um, In the bulletin is also a place to take notes because you're going to want to write some things down today. And so this is Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. Friends, listen, this is God's word. Okay, an excellent wife, who can find? She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. 
Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Boom. Right? This is God's word. This is the description of what our translation says, an excellent wife. I want to start by just giving you one example that this is poetry. Okay? This section, like I said before, has 22 verses in it. Do you know how many letters there are in the alphabet in the Hebrew language? There's 22. That's not a coincidence. Guess what letter the first line of this passage starts with in Hebrew? A. Guess what letter in Hebrew the second line of this passage starts with? B. That's right. Um, In Hebrew, this poem looks kind of like this. It, It looks like this. An excellent wife is a rare treasure. Because her husband trusts in her, consistent goodness she brings him. Diligent work is her pattern. You see this every day she rises early. Financial wisdom fills her mind. Great strength enables her to work hard. And it goes on through the entire Hebrew alphabet. 22 verses, one for each letter of the alphabet. And so figuratively, this is the A to Z of being a woman. Okay? It's complete and it's exhaustive. Now, God, the poet who inspired this, he knows that it can take an entire life to master everything from A to Z. And so, don't kill yourself. All right? Don't be crushed by this. Be encouraged by what you are doing and what you're good at and pick one area to work on today. And guess what? This isn't just talking about wives and mothers. Okay, the phrase, uh, the Hebrew phrase, excellent wife, can also be translated a little bit differently. It can also be translated, the valiant woman. The valiant woman. That's where the sermon title comes from today. And so this isn't just talking about wives and moms, it's talking about all women. And the Bible uses the word excellent, translates it violent, not violent, (laughs) valiant, (laughs) valiant. You're going to see why I made that slip here because I want to show you some other places where the Bible uses this phrase or this word, excellent, valiant. Um, It's used in Deuteronomy 3.18 to describe men of valor who are armed and ready for war. Okay, this woman is armed and ready for the war that takes place in the ordinary things of life. In Exodus 18, verse 21, when Moses is told that he can't lead on his own, but he needs to surround himself by men who are worthy to lead the people, to make them elders, they're called valiant. So this woman is worthy and stands character-wise and even gift-wise to lead the people of God. And then in 1 Chronicles 26, 6, talks about men who rule with great ability. Again, it's that same word, valiant. And so this kind of reminds me to look at this way that this word is used and then to find it here in Proverbs 31. It reminds me of God's design for women in Genesis 2, verse 18. Remember when we talked about this um, a while ago where it says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a strength fit for him. Right? 
most people that aren't part of, gosh, even I was going to say aren't part of the church, but even a lot of churches don't understand this. The Bible's picture of women is so different from the caricature that you'll get in the media or the caricature that you'll get from people outside the church. Right? The, this woman in Proverbs 31 is not timid. She's not weak. She's not a doormat. Right? She's not a yes woman to her husband. No, no, no. Valiant means she's strong. She's purposeful. And she's confident. She knows what's important. And with God's help, she can make it happen. This passage in Proverbs 31 is describing the life of a wife and a mom who was living in the ancient Near East in an agricultural society. Okay, we have a lot of women who are other kinds of women, right? We have a lot of different kinds of women and a lot of different kinds of moms. And so if you're single or you are living and working in a white-collar job or you're in, in the city, you might get frustrated by this passage because it has a very different picture of what a woman is supposed to be. Um, and you might think the Bible is describing someone that you're not, the Bible is describing someone that you're not even trying to be. But this passage does include you. This passage does. You need to see the principles here, and we'll talk about those principles, and then apply them to your different life to become this valiant woman. And again, I need to take another step back and say this, this passage isn't just for women either. Okay, This is poetry describing this incredible woman who, if you're married to her, will give you incredible blessings in your life. Now, if you're familiar with the book of Proverbs, you should go, oh wait, that's, that's interesting. This incredible woman who, if I'm married to her, brings great blessing to me. Is there any other woman that Proverbs describes that if you know her and are committed to her, she'll bring you incredible blessings in every area of your life? Yeah, this is Lady Wisdom. If you read the book of Proverbs, you'll be introduced to her. There's two women in the book of Proverbs. There's Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, right? There's the wise woman and there's the foolish woman. Let me just show you in Proverbs 9, verses 1 to 5, it says this, Wisdom has built her house. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She's also set her table. And she's sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever's simple, let him turn in here. If you're not wise, come my way. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine I've mixed, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. So she sets her table, she's throwing a feast and she's inviting people to come. And if you respond to Lady Wisdom's call, if you love wisdom um, and you live by the Bible's wisdom, she will bless you in every way. Okay, Proverbs 3, verses 13 to 18 says this. It says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She's more valuable than jewels, more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold fast, hold her fast are called blessed. And so the goal of the book of Proverbs is that you would search diligently and find wisdom. 
that you would trade anything for it, that you would treasure wisdom, that you would love wisdom, that you would bring wisdom closer to yourself than anything else. And chapter 31 ends the whole book of Proverbs and it climaxes this theme by saying you should marry wisdom. This woman in Proverbs 31 is Lady Wisdom. And you need to marry her, men and women. You need to marry Lady Wisdom. Proverbs 31 is about more than just a valiant woman living in the ancient Near East with principles that will make us better, more powerful, and all these things. This passage also shows us who wisdom is and what wisdom will do in your life if you are married to her. And so, for all of us, this passage will call us to respond in three ways. Okay, so what do we do with this valiant woman? One, we need to be her in principle, if not in practice, right? If you don't have stuff that she's doing, like you can't apply it, just take the principles and apply it in principle. Two, you need to want her, right? You want to want wisdom in your life. If you are married or you're dating, you need to want someone like this, okay? And then three, you need to praise her wherever you see her in others, okay? So you need to be her, you need to want her, you need to praise her. So I think I got everybody. (laughs) I think this applies to everybody today. If you have a heart right now and want God to speak to you, he will do that to you. He'll speak to you. His word is living and active and it will penetrate your heart and your life today. It'll encourage you and it'll help you grow. So let's look at the verses. Verse 10 says, an excellent wife who can find, she's far more precious than jewels. So this is important because this woman is scarce. This woman is scarce. In our world today, there are so many other ideas out there that are not wisdom. There's so much foolishness in our world today. I mean, just one example, the thinking that you know what's best for yourself better than God. This is prevalent and it shows up in all kinds of ways, that you know better than God what's good for you in your life. This is a a foolishness that so many people buy into. Wisdom begins in Proverbs, and it says that wisdom begins with honoring God. Wisdom begins, it starts in a right relationship with God. And so ask yourself, how many people do you know who have real awe and respect for God? How many people do you know who really actually put God first and think that whatever he thinks is the most important thing about themselves? How many people do you know who are willing to say no to something that they want in their life because God wants something else? Man, an excellent wife, who can find? Right? A person who's married to this kind of wisdom, who can find? I mean, lots of people say, I believe in God. Lots of people say, oh yeah, I follow Jesus. But when push comes to shove, I only follow Jesus when he agrees with me. That's not wisdom. That's not wisdom. And wisdom's scarce in part because sometimes when we find it, we don't want to be married to it. When wisdom says that there are things inside of me that I want that I have to say no to, 
really? Are you sure? I don't think he translated that right. That's not what the Bible really says. Or no, 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 God is love. He wants what I want. He wants, what's, he wants me to be happy. Right? These are the ways that we think, and, and this is not wisdom. Sometimes we see what God wants, and we don't want it. This is something, that, this is something I wrestle with. There's stuff in our wiring, in our hardwiring, that is against what God wants. And wisdom says that God knows best. Wisdom says that, you know what, God knows everything, and he loves us sacrificially. He's given everything of himself so that we would know him and want to follow him. He knows what's best for human flourishing. And so as hard as it can be to follow God, as hard as it is sometimes to follow God, God has revealed not only what's right, but what's good for us. And sometimes that good for us means us suffering in the anguish of our hearts not wanting what he wants, but not giving up, right? Not like, not giving into what we want, but just saying, oh God, I still don't want what you want, but I'm just, I'm not going to do this because I'm trying to get to where I want what you want. I'm not there yet, right? This is part of the battle with wisdom. And so to have this kind of wisdom in your life is a treasure indeed, Right, to, have, to have wisdom in like this in a wife or in a mother or in a friend is worth so much more than wealth. I mean, literally, here's a check for a million dollars or I will let you have a friend who can remind you of who God is and what God is like and can help you to walk closer with God and to experience God. A million dollars versus someone like this. Like in your heart of hearts, you'd say, you know what, give me the money because I'll find someone like this at some point. There's, there's people out there, I'll go to church, I don't know, you know, but like given the choice, right? Given the choice, you're like, wait, wait, come on, a million dollars is a lot of money. The book of Proverbs is saying, gosh, you know, this is worth more than any amount of wealth. And so we need to be this woman. We need to want this woman, and we need to praise this woman when we find her. Okay, we're going to see three things about this woman, this valiant woman, um, and then we're going to look at two things that this woman receives so that we can be encouraged to chase after it. Okay, so first, the, uh, three things the valiant woman is. She's first, she's trustworthy. This woman is trustworthy, and this is a mark of her valor. Okay, verses 11 and 12, you can look in the bulletin. It says, the heart of her husband trusts in her. He'll have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. So what is this saying? This is saying that the one who is closest to her trusts in her. So her closest relationship as a married woman is her husband. So the one who is most personally dependent on her Okay, the one who needs her the most, he completely trusts her because she's completely trustworthy. This amazing woman has the full confidence of her husband. In his heart, not just with his mouth, but in his heart, he trusts her, and that trust is never misplaced. That trust is always paid off in spades. And so she's faithful in every way, and her husband doesn't doubt. Like she cares to protect his trust 
in her. And so wives, does your husband trust you? Does he trust you? Is he right to trust you? Does he trust you, but he's kind of stupid, he really shouldn't? Are there things that you're hiding from him? Are there things you're not fully honest about? I mean, you can grow this trust with honesty and openness. But I want to expand this out beyond just husband and wife, right? Thinking more generally about the valiant woman. Um, Women, can you be trusted? You might not be married, but who's dependent on you? What friendships and relationships depend on you for support, for encouragement? I mean, who in your life desperately needs your input or they would be far from God? Like, in whose life are you that source of wisdom and insight, that connection that keeps someone else connected to God? And can you be trusted with that? I mean, this looks like us praying and encouraging and supporting people. Like, who are you there for? Um, do they have gain because they know you? I mean, this stretches us. And, uh, and here's a way this applies to everyone, because actually the Apostle Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, planted all these churches, he says that all discipleship is a form of mothering. Right? So you want to talk about being a wife or being a mother, like really that's all discipleship. In 1 Thessalonians 2, this is Paul describing his own ministry among the church, verses 7 through 9, he says, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you become very dear to us. I mean, isn't this what moms do? They don't just share truth, but they share themselves. They give themselves, they sacrifice themselves. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. And so this should characterize our discipling relationships, the people that we care about in our life group, the people, that, the, the friendships that we have, where we're trying to pour into other people. Um, and so if you know of, if you have a mom or a wife or a female friend, again, who does anything like this for someone else, praise them for it today. Tell them that you see it and encourage them with it. And if this is talking about the wisdom that we're supposed to marry, this is also saying if you marry the Bible's wisdom, it will never let you down. That's encouraging to me because there's times where I'm like, I don't really know if I want to do it God's way. And then I have to remember, wait a second, the Bible has never, ever let me down. And it's not going to start today. So this woman is trustworthy. Second, she is hardworking. This is verses 13 to 18. This woman is crazy industrious. If you read these verses, there's more verses too that I had to cut out, but wool, flax, she makes clothing, she makes household items, she makes food for her whole household, even her servants. And then she makes investments. Look at verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard, right? So she's doing real estate here. And she's turning this property into an opportunity to provide for herself and bring in extra money. And so planting a vineyard back then was actually pretty complicated. It wasn't simple because it involved not just 
like, like tilling the ground, but planting and supporting grapevines, building a watchtower and then a vat to, to process the grapes. It took a lot of hard work. And she's making money to add to the economic progress of the family. Now, this doesn't mean that every wife and mom has to do this, but it does create room for those who do. Okay? It does create room. Today's society is really different from ours. Okay? So back then, um, the extended family was very, very close. Raising children was a communal effort. And so the woman in Proverbs 31, she had a family to watch her kids while she worked. Not all of us have that. Not all of us want that. In an agricultural society, it was often easier to have your kids with you while you worked. Right? So these are some of the differences between the culture back then and today. Today, when you watch your kids full-time, it's really different. It's incredibly difficult. Usually, you're inside the home all day long. It's, I mean, a huge blessing for women and moms that do this for their kids, and it's like a job and a half, right? Because you never ever, you're never done with work, right? You don't get a Sabbath a whole lot because <laughs> you're still in the workplace, and the people that you're there to serve are still there. And so... Um, but in principle, this woman is contributing to the economics of the household. So it could be that God is calling you to work and to provide extra income for the family. It, maybe not. It could be that for you, um, it's not making money, but it could be that it's wisely spending money that's your contribution to the economic health of your family. Right? That actually makes a huge difference. Um, and then I just want us to look really quick at verse 18. It says that her lamp does not go out at night. I need you to know, those of you who feel condemned by things like this, this is not meaning that she's always working. Okay? Wisdom includes resting. Okay? This woman does get up early. So she starts her days early uh, to begin her day, but she does not stay up all night. Okay? This idea of the lamp not going out at night, it's actually a reference to the fact that the family is so well off that they can afford to have a nightlight burning all night. Okay, this is powerful because some people read this and go, if I'm not waking up at five and going to bed at like midnight, then I'm not this woman. That's not this woman. Okay, this woman does rise early in the morning, but this woman goes to sleep. What this verse in verse 18 is saying is that the collective family has provided so well that they have oil to spare, to have a nightlight that's burning all night long in case somebody gets up in the middle of the night. Back then, pitch black, there's no light switch, there's no phones that you can turn on and like, you know, I mean, back then, if you didn't have a nightlight, it was actually a sign of poverty. And so this is a woman who's able, mostly, I think, through her, industry or hard work, she's able to provide so that they have a nightlight that burns all night long, okay? So, applying this more widely, wider than wives and moms, if you marry the wisdom of the Bible, it's going to make you hardworking. You're going to end up being more productive. You're going to end up, I think, even making more money. You'll be better able to provide. Um, this Lady wisdom will be with you and make you more profitable. And so you should want her. And you should praise your mom, your wife, your female friends when you see this kind of hard work in them. 
So this valiant woman is trustworthy, hardworking. Third, she's generous. She's generous. Verse 20 says that she opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. And so this woman doesn't hoard, but she's generous. She's generous with people who need. Um, I think most of the time, the needy are probably the members of her family, uh, but her generosity goes beyond the family. This woman finds ways to reach out and care for others who need it. It's like she draws the circle of her love around people that are even outside. And her generosity is an incredible blessing to the man who was wise enough to marry her. Verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. So he is respected because he somehow got her to marry him. Okay? This guy's respect in town is in part because of her. Because she is this woman. She's trustworthy. She's hardworking. She's generous. And so this is who this valiant woman is. She's a woman of purpose, a woman of impact. And the question is, the question Proverbs doesn't leave us without an answer to is, well, what does she receive for all her sacrifice? Her husband gets praised. That's fantastic. Her husband's respected in the gates. But what does she get for this? Um, And two things very quickly. The first thing that she gets, that this woman receives, is confidence. Confidence. Uh, Verses 25 and 26. I love the end of verse 25. It says, she laughs at the time to come. You see that in the bulletin? She laughs at the time to come. This, more than anything else in this passage, is what I want to be like with this woman. Like, I want this part of this woman to become part of my heart. This woman laughs at the time to come. Do you know what this means? This means that when this woman looks to the future, she has a defiant mirth about her. All kinds of problems. Society's crumbling, right? The world's going to hell, right? The problems that our generation is facing are so much more significant than the problems that the last generation faced, right? There are world problems that are going on. There's world, I mean, all these different things. And it's not that she's not concerned about these things. She works hard, right? She's generous. But she knows and she laughs at what's to come. It's kind of like she's like, ha, you think that is going to do me in? Bring it on. That's what this woman says. This woman says, bring it on. In my mind, I tend to spin out possibilities. And most of the possibilities that I spin out are not good. (laughs) I can invent all the ways that things can go wrong. And I talk to Lainey, and Lainey's like, I don't think that this matters. I think that you're making a big deal about this and it's not reality. And then oftentimes the most helpful thing she says is, you know what? I'm just trusting God for this. I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know the one who is over what will happen. And that's it. 
She's not worried about the future because she's connected to the one who has the future in the palm of his hands. She's got confidence that comes from knowing that she's walking with Jesus and that he's active, that he is present. She's not perfect, but she's connected to Jesus, the only one who was perfect and died for her imperfections. Right? I mean, I want to be this woman. I want to laugh at the time to come because as, as a man who is following the God who died and rose again, we have every reason to have confidence. We have every reason to have confidence, not that things will work out, but that God will work in everything to bring about good. Not that our hearts won't be broken, not that we won't have to go through grief and mourning, but that God will be with us every step of the way, that he will never abandon us, and his good purpose that even includes people rejecting him and walking away and not doing the things that we would want them to do that we think are best for them. God can even work in those situations so that we can laugh at the time to come, so we don't have to be worried, so that we can know that we're in God's hand and that he is our good shepherd and he's leading us forward. So this woman receives confidence when she lives this way, then the second thing and the last thing here is that she receives praise. Verses 28 to 31. She's praised by her children in verse 28. She's praised by her husband. And then in verse 31, she's praised by the community that sees Jesus alive in her. So, trustworthy, hardworking, and generous. Children, dads especially, Make sure that you verbally praise your wives, your moms today. Make sure that you verbally appreciate the things that you see in them. Make sure that they know. Make sure that today, of of all days, that they receive verbal praise from you. They don't have to be perfect, right? Find something from what we talked about. Read the passage and be able to say, look, this is something I see in you. This is something I'm thankful for. This is something that you have done. This is something you are doing. Something that makes me grateful that you're in my life. And for all of us, let's be this woman. Let's want this woman and let's praise this woman wherever we see her today. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for the way that I see this woman in our church. In women who are both young and older and old, I see women that, that manifest this kind of wisdom, that manifest this kind of power. And I'm just so thankful, God, that we have examples all around us here. Thank you, God, for working in us and through us, for using us even when we're not perfect. Thank you, God, that we can start in the beginning and work these things out one item at a time. I pray, God, that you would put on our hearts and give us the words. Some of us are not good at verbal appreciation, um, and so help us. Help us to take this day. We have every excuse today to say things that might otherwise make us feel uncomfortable,
Give us opportunities today to praise the women in our lives. And for those women, Lord, I pray that you would help them to receive your divine encouragement as they get to see glimpses of the pleasure that you take in them when they're trustworthy, hardworking, and generous. And God, finally, we love you for Jesus, who is the embodiment of wisdom. We thank you that in his great love, he gave his life for our imperfections and sins, and he rose again so that we might walk again with you. Help us, empower us by his strength, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.